All right, there we go. For some reason, the walkie-talkie, I'm, I'm using my AirPods connected to my phone to talk to you through Discord, and every time I use the walkie-talkie feature, my AirPods switch to my watch instead. Right, so your watch is like aggressively pairing your AirPods away. <laughs> yeah. I'm using my AirPods too, but it's not doing the same thing. Oh, that's odd. Huh. I wonder if I can turn it off. But still, I tried to walkie-talkie you, and it still says you're not available. Huh. I don't know. Oh, well. Just a buggy beta. Yeah. Although, it's a lot better than the previous beta, I'll tell you that. Yeah, we actually got some features in this one. I've been using podcasts all the time, too. It's so good. Oh, really? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait let's save that to the end, because that's the last topic. Okay. All right. Should we kick off with... Um, all right, so we're doing the top five topics from Reddit, unlike last time, where we did top five moments from WWDC. Um, first topic is very US-centric, but I put it in there anyway. Most listeners are in the US, which is that iPhones on iOS 12 will automatically share um, precise location data um, during the 911 call. So previously, and this is what's happening in Australia to this moment, is that location was basically triangulated from cell phone towers. And I looked up the stats, and this is actually on the Australian government's website, is that it could be from 90 meters to 90 kilometers in accuracy. <laughs> Imagine that you get you get an emergency call. Yeah. And it, it's like, oh, yeah, actually it could be 90k's down the road. Sorry. <laughs> You're going to just have to work it out. Just get the ambulance there. Yeah. Um I think I mean we're going to be limited to the same issues that just GPS has in any circumstance. So large cities or anything with big buildings that can block signals, going to potentially throw it off by a huge distance. Um, but I think more likely the times that this could be needed would be when someone is hopefully out in a more rural area and maybe don't know exactly where they are, how to exactly identify where they are. And in that case, is the GPS location should be pretty precise and helpful for first responders. It's really similar to the system they use in Europe called Advanced Mobile oh, really? Location, which I looked up, yeah. It actually... When you place the emergency call, it turns on the GPS and the Wi-Fi if it's not already turned on, mm-hmm. and then it shoots off an SMS to the emergency services with the location, and then switches the GPS and um, Wi-Fi, if it was off, back off again. Oh, wow. Which is, yeah. And that was actually implemented in iOS 11.3 as well. So, yeah, the US is just playing catch-up, it looks like, with and this service, actually provided by someone called Rapid SOS, where I briefly looked up, and it looks like they basically provide an emergency services API for anything to connect into, which is pretty neat. Huh. Hopefully it, it uh, gives the device long enough to uh, triangulate on a more precise location than just getting whatever first location the GPS gives off. I know if I open maps or something, I could be, you know, quite a few miles off my current location, and then it'll eventually triangulate down to more precise reading i think that's because it's using assisted gps first so that's just using wi-fi base stations Uh, to get a rough location but when the the gps itself actually locks in which can take i don't know like 20 or 30 seconds or depends if you're inside or outside right yeah that's that's real gps pinging off a satellite i know the earlier iphones at least the first couple didn't have gps so they used cell tower triangulation which probably somewhere between wi-fi base station and uh, GPS locations in terms of accuracy. I remember getting the very first, like the original iPhone, Uh and I didn't realize it didn't have GPS, and I tried to use turn-by-turn navigation. Uh. (laughs) And yeah, I was so disappointed. I'd been waiting for that phone for so long. Was that a, a, a standard feature you were used to by that point, or...? I had been using a BlackBerry up until that point, which had 
it didn't have turn by turn, but it had like the top down view of the map. So you could basically use it to navigate. Whereas the original iPhone, yeah, it could be blocks away from re- where you really were. Oh, uh, okay. The 3G had GPS though, didn't it? Um, I'm not sure exactly when it got added. My first iPhone was actually the iPhone 5. So I kind of missed out on a lot of the earlier stuff. Mm, okay. Yeah. But... I'm pretty sure it was a 3G. Hmm. Could be. All right. So, well, even if the location's not super precise, it's going to be better than nothing, which is what they're currently getting in the U.S., so... Yeah. (laughs) A rough triangulation. I think the really, really rough readings are when there's only a single phone tower involved as well, because then there's there's no triangulation, of course. There's only one thing. And it's basically as far as this cell tower can reach in a circle, in a radius around it, is the location Mm -hmm. of the caller. So, the next top two topics... Um, on our Apple were actually very similar. So the first one is Apple, please, for the love of all that is holy, get rid of the Yelp requirement in iOS 12 Apple Maps. And the second one, which we can kind of join into a single topic, I think, is Apple should reward people who contribute to Apple Maps. So Yelp doesn't have that bad a rap in where I come from. Um, a lot of hate in this thread. Yeah, I actually, I actually read this post a few days ago and didn't really understand you know, the hate here as well. And then I happened to be looking for a business uh, on Apple Maps the other day, and it was something I wasn't familiar with, so I wanted to read a couple of reviews. And you can read, like, the first sentence of the first couple reviews. Then if you want to read more, there's not... I mean, there's a read more button, but if you tap it, it forces you to download the Yelp app to read them. Um, which I, I'm not a person who act, actively reads or writes reviews so i don't really use yelp for anything and i don't even have it on my phone so for that reason it was kind of frustrating and i actually ended up switching over to googling the location instead of downloading yelp in that case so So there's no fallback option of just going to the yelp website if you don't have the app installed uh right i'm not sure if yelp has i'm actually i'm pretty sure they do would have a website but yeah Yeah, they do for sure yeah. (laughs) yeah it forces you to uh download the app to read you know even one complete review you can't read anything in the apple maps app that's pretty hostile against users really yeah so so after after that, I'm like, oh, I, I actually get it. I understand why everyone hates this so much now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't I don't generally read too many reviews, so it hadn't affected me up until that point. So half of the hate was because of what you just described, that you can only see one sentence or a couple of pictures of the review. And then the other half of the hate seems to be that Yelp has these dodgy business practices about um, receiving money to take bad reviews away. Or, oh, um, really? Yeah, accepting money to promote businesses and that sort of thing. That's funny. I Like I said, I've never really used Yelp, but when it was trying to force me to download the app, the big thing it said across the top is we don't take money to remove bad reviews or whatever. Hmm, okay. If they're but, pushing that so heavily, maybe it's just hearsay then in the thread. I'm not sure. Um, maybe they got so much blowback from those practices that now they're trying to push that they don't do it anymore. Yeah, could be. But... Do you also get Foursquare reviews in Apple Maps? Because we seem to have this thing that it's either Foursquare or Yelp, neither of which is the most popular review service. Um, um, and I don't know if anyone even knows what Foursquare is, really, so no one's going to be clicking on those results. <laughs> yeah, I don't use reviews enough to even tell. It looks like I'm just doing a search of restaurants in my area right now. All the reviews are Yelp. There's no Foursquare options. Um so what what would you call the um, the most popular review platform? Just Google or... Yeah, it would seem to be Google and then maybe even Facebook not far after that. Oh, yeah. If you Google any... If you Google a business name, mm-hmm. you're either going to get Google or Facebook coming up as one and two. Yeah. 
That's true. So, Both of which have review services. Yeah, the problem at this point, I'm sure the kind of hostile way they force you to use Yelp is written somewhere in Apple's contract with the company. So if they wanted to put reviews in Apple Maps, they wouldn't be able to use Yelp necessarily to do it. So they either have to fall back. I'm sure they don't want to fall back on Google for anything. Um, so basically what they'd have to do is start building their own database of reviews, which would be a really slow start and probably wouldn't help their already struggling Maps platform. Yeah, well, it, it took quite a long time for Google reviews to get off the ground, but it has really taken off as far as I can tell. Like, often you'll see businesses with hundreds or thousands of reviews. Yeah. Um, whereas back in the day, you know, back when back pre-Apple Maps, you could often find things on Google with no reviews or just a couple. Um, but yeah. Google's been dumping money into that platform for ages by the look of it. So Apple also has a service called Maps Connect where businesses can edit their listings um, and update their details and things like that. But it still seems like most of the data comes from these third-party services, services which they must have a contract with, I would guess, um, ever since these listings were added. Um, so 9to5 actually posted an article today about features that should come to Apple Maps Um if they were to copy anything from Waze and Google Maps. Uh, something I found really handy um, when I was uh, away from home the other week was uh, downloading like certain places for offline use. So it's not a like the entire world is offline because imagine how much data that would use. But you can actually zoom in and out of like specific cities or areas and just mark that area as offline. And strangely, it actually limits how long you can keep it offline for which i think it said it was 30 days um, but yeah it's incredibly useful to to be somewhere without um cell coverage and also potentially wi-fi coverage and still be able to look things up now you don't get turn by turn directions but i mean that's a luxury isn't it right huh i remember um when i think it was pokemon go it came out a few years ago um and it used like Google Maps for its location services. You had the option to download your surrounding area as well in that app so that you could use it without phone service. Oh, really? In Pokemon Go? I don't remember yeah. that at all. Yeah. So uh, I think it actually required you to download the Google Maps app and then go into the Google Maps app and choose your area to download. And then once you did that, Pokemon Go could access those downloaded areas and not require quite as much cell service or whatever for displaying your location. And was that on iPhone or Android? That was on my iPhone. Neat. Wow. So. I've been using Pokemon Go since like day dot, I'd say, but I never saw it. Oh, Maybe really? It's uh, limited geographically as well. Oh. Possible. Are you still playing Pokemon Go? <laughs> I open it every fortnight, <laughs> approximately. <laughs> what about you? Um, I played it pretty religiously for like the first few months it was out, kind of just for the nostalgia of it, but... I got I got tired of it pretty quickly. Yeah, and yeah, the nostalgia factor was a really strong draw for me too. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for um, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu. It's coming out on the Switch uh, this fall. I don't know if you've seen that at all. Yeah, it's like a, a 3D Pokemon game which uses the Pokemon Go catching style. Yeah, it's got a lot of the Go mechanics, but it's like it's supposed to be like a remake of the original like Pokemon Yellow game. So it's all taking place in the Kanto region. and I don't know. I haven't, I haven't played Pokemon since the original Game Boy games, so <laughs> kind of tempting for me. Just while we're on the topic of Pokemon as well, did you see the um, the new trading and friends features that they're adding in or have just added in? In the Pokemon Go app? Yeah. Um, uh, no, I, I actually I haven't even been following the app for the last year or so, so I don't know. Like I didn't even see after they added okay. the initial like 100 Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So... 
Do they let you um, battle other people yet? No, that would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, that seems like the feature they should have had at launch. I think that would have kept a lot more people around than just having to go to like specific gym locations to do Pokemon battles. Yeah. I mean, I'm not full bottle on Pokemon, but I'm pretty sure it's just gym battles are the thing still. Although you, you can join a team and then battle a gym, but I'm not sure huh. that much else has changed. Interesting. So I'm just scrolling through this article, like, <laughs> trying to jump back here. I'm scrolling through this article on 9to5Map that you're talking about. Um, one here is speed limit notifications. Doesn't Apple Maps tell you speed limits now? Yes, it does, but it doesn't give you a warning if you go over it. Ah, okay. Oh, I see. And I can't blame them for adding that because that feature has been in cars since the 80s, I'm sure, maybe even for longer than that. And I don't think I could name a single person I've ever seen who's turned it on. Right. (laughs) Although I guess the ones in cars don't know the speed limit of the road you're on. So one that was on a phone would be a whole lot more useful. I had, um, I guess this wasn't a stock uh, head unit, but I installed one in an old car I had that knew the low, the speed limits of all the streets and would alert me if I was driving too quickly, uh, which I installed that in my Camaro. So it was a bad fit for kind of a muscle car that I enjoy driving fast in and also having a system that alerted me <laughs> if I drive five miles an hour over the speed limit. <laughs> Do you still have a Camaro? Uh, no, I don't. I, uh, I, well, I was going to say upgrade, but I don't think upgrade is the right word. I, I grew, grew up into, uh, a family sedan car so <laughs> uh, don't we all yeah. though <laughs> can't fit very many kids in a camaro so <laughs> are they all two seaters um so the camaro it technically has four seats but the two in the back are really really small and really hard to get to yeah perfect for kids <laughs> well i mean if, if they're big enough to just sit in the seats themselves probably but with like car seats it's really difficult so yeah okay right yeah and car seats are huge, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, I used to only drive Camaros. I drove, what, three or four different Camaros before I finally, I don't know, grew up. <laughs> so. Uh, speaking of growing up, uh, gas station pricing is another item that 9to5 says would be useful. And that would be good because yeah. currently I have to switch apps, which, you know, you don't actually want to be using apps while you're driving. So it can be a hassle sometimes when you're on the road and you need to get... Um, gas fuel prices i've actually never seen this feature uh what app do you use oh Waze. no no i switched to like a, an app that is dedicated to finding petrol prices interesting so uh it's it's actually very specific even to the state that i live in oh okay yeah, yeah i've never uh never never seen this feature i've never played with Waze before though um but i know like my brother uses it all the time just to keep track of like where speed traps are yeah, that was also mentioned in the article too. Um, just all the social reporting, not just traps, but accidents and yeah, construction or anything. Yeah, so all that stuff. I mean, maybe at this point, I don't know how interested Apple would be, but they should just buy Waze and then integrate some of this functionality into Apple Maps. Google already owns Waze, though. Oh, does Google own Waze? Dang <laughs> <Yeah>. it! <laughs> they beat them to it. <laughs> I think that would have been a better route to go when they're originally uh, developing Apple Maps because they were far more interested in those bird's eye views flyovers the flyovers yeah popular cities (laughs) those are so useless though (laughs) it's a really it was like a really good gimmick for when they announced apple maps but i can't say i've ever ever actually played with it outside of when it first launched in ios 6 yeah it was always really slow for me and didn't really you know didn't give you a great overview of most cities anyway except the few cities that have half a dozen like really spectacular monuments or buildings yeah um 
I think the flyover was cited as one of the examples that were given to Scott Forstall when he was ousted as well. Huh. Because that was his baby. Right. Hmm. Well, yeah, they should have... They paired... They uh, partnered with TomTom, which was already, like, one of the lower quality GPS manufacturers for their map data, and they really should have... And traffic... Traffic still comes from TomTom, I'm pretty sure. Oh, does TomTom use traffic or support traffic information? I think TomTom provides the traffic info to Apple Maps. I thought they were strictly uh, uh, GPS and um, the actual uh, whatever map images, but they could be. I just assumed that Apple generated that information themselves by just tracking iPhone location and speed. Hmm. Yeah, no, you're probably right. They're probably just getting the actual maps from TomTom. So that makes a lot more sense. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's how Google does it, so I just assumed that Apple did something similar. Yeah. So, but... Yeah, they should have definitely gone with purchasing a more established company in, like, Waze. I don't know how far along Waze was, what, in 2013, 2012? But I think they could have helped them overcome a lot of issues they had the rocky start with Apple Maps. Maybe introducing a feature like, um... Oh, man, this username is terribly hard to pronounce. Uh, <laughs> it is written B-W-J-X-J-E-L-S-B-D. Who... <laughs> <laughs> who suggests that Apple should actually reward people who contribute to Apple Maps. I don't know how they're going to go about actually rewarding people. I mean, it's not going to be a monetary thing. Um, Google has a massive community around Maps, and I'm I'm pretty sure that they... Oh, actually, it's in the post. that Google has a thing called a local guide. Uh So if you do contribute, you get, I guess, a virtual badge. Actually, that's not a bad idea. Maybe Apple needs to introduce some sort of virtual badges on people's profiles. Um, But then they would also have to um, bring up a whole social platform around maps as well which yeah is utterly absent at the moment yeah apple's kind of struggled with their social platforms in the past um did you ever use ping of course (laughs) i try everything that apple announces yeah tried at least once um and only once for ping yeah my extent of trying it was setting it up and realizing no one i knew used it so i didn't have any practical application (laughs) for having a ping account but yeah um, but Google also has, I think it's called Google Rewards. Uh, this isn't exactly for map information, but they'll periodically, it's an app you can get on Android and it periodically gives you like a five question survey. And for answering those survey questions, they give you, I don't know, like 50 cents for the play store. Um, so if they could oh, wow. maybe use something okay. similar in, uh, the maps where if you write so many reviews, you get, I don't know, a couple dollars for iTunes or whatever. I feel like that could be, hmm motivation yeah you'd yeah so you'd get tons of people doing it it wouldn't require people developing people a social network crazy small amounts of money yeah yeah right. <laughs> so but yeah or just buy a database like you said before maybe something like ilp or foursquare yeah i guess that'd be an option too just to buy one of those companies and uh integrate their data into maps mm, yeah so apple does seem to enjoy going that route recently with, with buying yeah. uh beats for their uh, streaming platform and what else? They just bought Workflow to add into Siri and yeah, and there are probably dozens and dozens that you never even hear about. But oh yeah, a lot of smaller acquisitions disappears. Yeah. yeah. So. All right, that's enough talking about maps. I think we should talk about <laughs> the keyboards. Oh yeah, because we haven't done this topic to death either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is our chance to say "I told you so" because this is exactly what we said was going to happen for the last couple months. Yeah, well, you could say we called it, huh? Yeah. So there's a, a keyboard service program for MacBooks and MacBook Pros. So it's uh, the Retina MacBooks and any MacBook Pro from 2016 to 2017. Yep. Uh, I'll, be, I'll, I'll just give a, a quick read of what's actually happening. Sure. 
is that uh, Apple will replace eligible MacBooks, MacBook Pros, free of charge, uh, the keyboards free of charge. Um, they will determine if it's needed, of course. And the important part is the program covers eligible models four years after the first retail sale of the unit. But there were quite a few questions brought up in the thread, such as, are they just replacing the keyboard with the exact same keyboard and is the same problem going to happen like six months down the track and then just keep happening until the four years is expired and then oh well bad luck right um i imagine if they don't find a way to fix this issue and they do go that route they're going to end up facing some kind of class action issue in the future saying that this was just apple kicking the can down the road and then eventually saying it's not our problem anymore um I mean, I could see, I don't think this would be their first option, but maybe even all the way to the point of them offering, like, severely affected users newer models with better keyboards in the future, if they're not able to find an easy replacement. Yeah, that historically has happened too, doesn't it? Yeah. When someone's had to jump through a dozen hoops because of problems, they sometimes end up... Uh, I remember a lot of people talking with the 2011 MacBook Pro GPU issues. A lot of them ended up just getting, like, newer model, like 2013 MacBook Pros eventually when like two gp replacements didn't fix it yeah i think i actually had that one as well and uh, yeah i think i got it replaced out of the warranty period by an authorized reseller and then i just sold the computer nice is... <laughs> yeah i had a 2011 macbook pro 2 but i don't remember having an issue although back then i really i was like religiously dedicated to the 13 inch form factor in their computers i thought those were perfect i thought mm-hmm. the speaker grills on the side were ugly and i thought 13 was super portable and it was great so they didn't have the dedicated GPUs, so I probably wouldn't have run into that problem. Right, because it was only the models with the NVIDIA from my memory. Right. Is that right? Uh, it was whatever the dedicated graphics were. I think at that point they were using NVIDIA, so... And since then, we've never seen an NVIDIA graphics card in another Mac. Yeah, I wonder if that's the first time I've heard anyone make that connection. I don't know if that's related or if Radeon's just been a cheaper option for them recently. Um, I've personally never been a fan of Radeon graphics, so I'd actually rather they go back to uh, NVIDIA in the future. NVIDIA's nearly always been ahead, haven't they? They've Although, it is a seesaw. Yeah, they've always been slightly faster, uh, but more importantly for me, especially in, in a laptop, is NVIDIA has a history of being better with thermals than AMD. Mm-hmm. So And recently with their, well, not recently, I guess we're a couple years out now, but with their 10th generation graphics, NVIDIA has basically combined their desktop and laptop architectures into one one chip, and no matter what platform it's going into, you get the same graphics card, which is... Really? That's amazing. Yeah, technically impressive. Um, I think technically it's like downthrottled or something, but you're getting the same chip, which is a huge leap in this generation. Um, back to the keyboards for a sec. Do you, someone, I can't find the comment now, sorry, whoever it was, but they guessed that, do you think where we haven't seen new MacBook models yet because they're working so hard to get some sort of new keyboard into the next update? Uh, my, my thoughts were that we haven't seen the Mac update yet because they're working on uh, building their own processor for it and they're trying to get, get an, <laughs> an ARM CPU in there. I think we're pretty close. I, I, I think you think we're close to that. I, okay. I mean, I think I mean, with Mojave allowing for easy, uh, like cross whatever transpiling of apps between Mac and and iOS, I think that's a stepping stone in the direction of our first ARM MacBook. So, and especially since like the iPad Pros, the speeds of the the A10X chips and the A11 and the iPhone 10 is like rivaling these MacBooks and even beating them in a lot of cases, I think it wouldn't be too much of a stretch to see Apple 
putting their own CPUs in Macs. I don't think these CPUs are going to be keeping up with something like an iMac Pro or the new Mac Pro, though. No, I don't think I don't think we'll necessarily ever see that. But for these these uh, lower end consumer facing products like like the MacBook itself, um, an ARM chip I think would serve it better. Uh, if if they stay on the trend they have been, we're going to have a faster CPU than Intel's Core M chips, uh, probably going to handle thermals better, and they get the advantage of just that slight bit more control on the hardware end, because um, Intel recently has been kind of falling behind, kind of not meeting their uh, production deadlines like they should be, and I know that's pushed off some releases of Macs in the last couple of years. So I'm sure Apple's getting frustrated with that as well. Yeah, I think they're really frustrated with it. But that would mean that we'd have like a one line of Macs running Intel and one running ARM. Right. And then developers having to support two code bases unless there was some sort of like well, that's, virtual machine running well, that's, Intel apps or vice versa. That's where this... Uh, well, I guess that only really works in one direction. I was going to say with the ability to easily bring iOS apps to macOS platform, I think that's their stepping stone of allowing one build of an app to run on ARM and uh, x86 architecture. Um, but that really doesn't help for all the established x86 apps that have to be completely rewritten for the ARM architecture. Yeah, that's right. So, but and historically, it was all or nothing. Right. right. I mean, it was all. It was nothing <laughs> when they went from <laughs> was it Motorola originally to PowerPC and then to yeah. Intel. Yeah. Uh, well, there was a a pretty good transition period where you could run PowerPC programs on Intel Macs. They had a few different virtual options to do that. Um, but I don't know. I think if they launched a MacBook with an ARM CPU and we had gotten to the point where they're like, and all iPad Pro apps from the App Store are going to run on it. Like that could be a pretty compelling purchase still for the consumer market. Mm. But when you booted it up, it would still be Mac OS. Right. Is that what you're saying? Right. Yeah, that sounds really good. So, I don't know, I, I feel like that's potentially where things are going. Um, and there's there's already been, I don't know where, some sites reporting that they've, they've seen ARM devices, like ARM MacBooks, in their logs. Yeah, uh, I told you that last week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think. Pretty sure I mentioned it. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> so, so, yeah, anyway, I think, I think, uh, I mean, Apple's at least interested in the concept. And maybe maybe not this year, but I think we're only a couple years away, at least, at most, from uh, seeing an ARM MacBook. Yeah, I'm definitely going to agree with you, especially saying a couple of years. I don't think any current Macs models are being held up because of this um, possible change, but yeah, I okay. would be surprised if there wasn't something in a couple of years um, along the lines of what you said. Well, as far as the keyboard mechanism goes, I hope that they just find a way to take this current design and maybe put better gaskets around the keys or something, because I'd hate for them to go back to the old chiclet keyboard now that I've experienced this uh, kind of more tactile keyboard though with a butterfly mechanism. Yeah, I think I've said this before, but chiclet feels like mush to me now after typing on this one. Yeah. I'm just waiting for mine to die, though, because I spilled baby... Well, the baby spilled baby powder all over it during the week. So. On your MacBook Pro? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, it's it's so bad because it's such a fine powder. Right. I'm just waiting for the keys to stop working. If your keyboard holds up to that, I think you have the the right to say that these uh, reports of the keyboard's failing are overblown. (laughs) (laughs) So, have you had any issues yet, or has it all been still working for you? Uh, Yeah, it's all been working perfectly. Awesome. Knock on wood. Well, I mean, at least now if something does happen, you have the option to take it into the Apple Store and they should theoretically fix it for you. Yes, that's right. 
Yeah, I'm a few hundred k's away from the nearest Apple store at the moment. So, oh really? If you can just wait, yeah. <laughs> if you can wait till I'm back home, and then um, yeah, it's only ten k's down the road. Oh, nice. I'm a man. I can't do the conversion to uh, to uh, kilometers for you, but I'm a couple hundred miles away from the nearest Apple store. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, that's Which, a long way, isn't it? Yeah, because what uh, miles like one and a half kilometers? Uh, yeah, around that. One point so, six, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, it's quite it's quite a drive for me. <laughs> mm, yeah. Shall we push on to the last topic, which is probably the best topic? Definitely. <laughs> iOS 12 developer beta 2 is out. Surprisingly, before any public betas that I've seen. Yeah. Yeah, there's many rumors of when we're going to see the public beta yet. And normally you see dev beta 1, then maybe a week later or two weeks later, public beta 1. And then it kind of follows just a dev beta X and public beta like an hour or the next day later. Right. Um, it's especially yeah. surprising considering how stable iOS 12 has been. Uh, so it's not like they've yeah. they're waiting for it to be a little more stable before putting it in more hands. Yeah, exactly. So, but. Um, so the few things I've noticed in beta two on the iPhone is that Face ID is incredibly fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you noticed that as well? Uh, it it wasn't like readily apparent to me when I was using it that it was much faster. But if I actually pay attention and watch like how fast the unlock animation unlocks. Uh, it's it's definitely obviously faster. Um, so is it was it a incredibly noticeable increase for you? Yeah, it was really apparent. Huh? Maybe it's something about my face. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. After having the iPhone 10 for I don't know, was it been seven months now? Eight months? Mm-hmm. I've I've gotten I don't know. Like before this, I was used to like sticking my phone on the touch I- or my finger on the Touch ID center as I was pulling my phone on my pocket, so it was always unlocked when it gets to my face. And I feel like I've gotten into a similar rhythm with iphone 10 where i'll glance at it and swipe up to unlock it before i'm even fully engaged in the phone so to me i just look at it and it's already okay. on the i don't think desktops or springboard i guess is what it's called the springboard for apps <laughs> yeah. took me a minute yeah home screen <laughs> yeah the home screen <laughs> so um but yeah i've kind of gotten into a a flow with it where i don't even consciously realize i'm unlocking the phone anymore so, so maybe it was my face then because my experience was yeah you know, pull the phone out look up and look at it and swipe up and then you'd kind of get that frosted screen with the little face id animation going and then you would be in oh. whereas now it's more like pull the phone out of my pocket and swipe up while looking at it and i rarely get that frosted screen with the animation now it's more just like flicking up the lock screen and i'm in yeah that's, that's basically and only since the developer made it too Hmm. That's been my experience. My experience the entire time, even with iOS 11, I haven't had it really sit on the that frosted screen very often. So that's interesting. Do you uh, change your appearance very often? Do you shave or something? <laughs> <laughs> well, I shave, but <laughs> well, I wouldn't say it drastically changes my appearance. <laughs> right? Huh? Yeah, it's very strange. Uh, I feel like I change. Maybe it's because I change my appearance so much. It's become a little more lax on. <laughs> what it considers a match because um, mm-hmm. I, I go back and forth between like a beard and clean shaven and a goatee and I wear my glasses like 50% of the time and I wear contacts the other 50% of the time um, hmm. I have quite a few different hairstyles I go with that aren't very similar <laughs> so so may- maybe it has gotten really lazy with identifications for me and it's just decided like that's about right <laughs> it lets me in <laughs> yeah so, have you set up an alternative appearance in Face ID? Uh, no, I haven't had any reason to. Um, mm. I didn't even necessarily understand use cases for it um, because Face ID is supposed to be able to recognize you with like you know different 
like a scarf covering part of your face or going through, I don't know, minor changes like shaving or a haircut. Um, but there's some, some compelling cases laid out uh, on the subreddit. Like if you have a really elaborate Halloween costume or something and you program that so you don't have to relegate yourself to typing in a passcode the entire time. So it's a once a year usage thing. Well, I mean, I don't dress up very often, but maybe people who go to like Comic Cons or things like that or cosplay or whatever, where you where you have these like outfits that are pretty elaborate that definitely wouldn't work with your face ID sensor, but you don't want to have to type in a password the entire time you're in it or something. Yeah, okay. Well, I've just done the boring thing and set up my wife Yasmin's face in there. Ah, okay. <laughs> Which she appreciates. <laughs> I know it wasn't like specifically said it was for multiple users, um, but I mean, I guess if it can supp- if it can uh, recognize something totally different, like a mask or whatever, it should be able to recognize another person without getting confused. My initial concerns was that it was gonna it was gonna confuse the facial recognition because it was gonna try to like take these two faces you've scanned in and and line them up somehow to identify they're the same person, but. But I don't know, the wording's been pretty uh, obscure. Yeah, that was something I was worried about, and certainly I kept an eye on as well to see if it would having to, if having two different people in there would change the speed or have any negative side effects. But, you know, it, it's just like having one person in there. Seems to be no downside to it at all. Well, good. It's just a little strange that the wording is alternative appearance. Right. Maybe. I was thinking maybe it's something like a privacy thing or they're just trying to discourage you from having someone else having access to your phone. Yeah, I remember when the iPhone X came out, I think there was an email sent to Phil Schiller, like, asking specifically for that feature. People saying, like, hey, my wife and I usually add our fingerprints into each other's phones so we can get in easily when one's driving or or whatever case. And can you add support for multiple faces to the iPhone X? And Phil said something along the lines of it wasn't technically possible or it was going to severely compromise security to add multiple faces um, so I don't know if they overcame that or if that was just his way of blowing off the question or what, <laughs> but yeah. I... So the other thing that supposedly coming to face ID according to WWDC is that it's, um, rotation or device angle agnostic. You can face ID upside down. Oh really? That's still not in, yeah, that's still not in this beta though. That would, can't use it sideways. That would be, uh, awesome. There's definitely been, been cases where like my phone's been in landscape or something and wanted to either verify a payment or something without having to change orientation so yeah it's nearly always when i'm using safari and landscape and then have to auto fill a password and you better yeah bring your phone up and then put it down <laughs> and all that i set my uh um, but stability sorry oh i was gonna say i set my phone on a uh, a vertical charging dock uh like while i'm at my desk to have youtube video or whatever playing and uh having to unlock my phone always means picking it up off its charger when it's sitting in landscape so oh okay yep. yeah yeah I was just going to say stability is a little bit better. Yeah. I haven't noticed as many respring's, although I wasn't getting many because it is pretty stable, but I probably had probably not one a day, but one every couple of days. Yeah. And not not just in an app, but just just randomly. Um so it's nice that they seem to have already gone. Um and I think the only bug that I found is that I can't log into Twitter and that was actually in the re- release notes as well that you can't log into Twitter huh. so I'm locked out of Twitter for now wait still with the new beta yeah still it was in the old one and then it was a- acknowledged in the new one and uh, it made me do beta 3 ah uh, okay I I guess you tweeted that uh, your bank app works now right 
Yes, that was fixed. <laughs> Thank goodness. And that meant I could verify my um, Apple Pay on my Apple Watch as well. So, happy days. Nice. Now that I think about it, I just signed into Twitter yesterday on Beta 2 and didn't have any issues. Really? The official Twitter app? Yeah. Um, I, I guess I, I added a second account to my Twitter app. So, maybe because I was already signed mm, in once, different. the bug. Yeah, but interesting. I wonder what, uh, what kind of... Uh, bug they're hitting that specifically targets the Twitter app. Yeah, I've just tried it now and it's still the case. You just get a blank screen on the login page. Okay. Yeah, it's probably because I was already signed in then. Mm, yeah. But that's interesting though. Um, as far as other features in the in the new beta, there wasn't a lot more functionality-wise added, but there was little design tweaks here and there. Um, like I know, I've noticed in the notification center, the, the X button over notifications seems to be way bigger now. I don't know. It's huge, isn't it? Yeah. I actually kind of like it. Um, Me too. So being able to easily hit it. Uh, other than that, I don't know. I watch a couple channels on YouTube that's like a hundred changes, and it's like this font is slightly different, or they changed this word in the settings. And uh, is that everything Apple Pro? Yeah, or whatever it's called. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty. It's pretty. Uh, I'm incredible how how DP is able to dig into that. I'm sure he has a whole team of people. I don't know how he could do it himself and find all those small little changes. So, um, but yeah, he definitely. Uh, that's how I stay up to date on what's what's changed <laughs> i'm usually just on nine to five they do a pretty similar sort of thing yeah they're not quite as in-depth but they're usually pretty good i'm just getting into uh reading nine to five i've been pretty religiously a mac rumors reader mm-hmm. and i've been trying to give nine to five mac a chance here too uh just so i can have even more i don't know a more in-depth background on apple stuff and keep up with more news i don't know <laughs> I was exclusively Mac rumors, I think pre iOS 10, but I just found that the 9 to 5, um, I guess, quality was a little bit higher, production quality on things yeah. like the videos they do, and they're ramping that up too. I think, um, I think my biggest motivator still for sticking mostly with Mac rumors is is the web layout. I like that I'm able to read most, if not all, of the articles on the front page without having to click into them like I do on 9 to 5 Mac. Yeah. So, but. Yeah, other than that, their uh, their articles are really well written on on nine to five, and the community doesn't seem to be quite as toxic potentially. <laughs> <laughs> the so. Mac Rumors community has got to be one of the worst. <laughs> it's amazing to me, like so, yeah, a whole you don't commu- have to try hard to be not as bad. <laughs> it's amazing that a community of people like interested in following Apple news like hates Apple so much. <laughs> exactly. So. I mean, it's been like a decade since it was any good, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, can we just quickly talk about the watchOS beta as well? Yes, definitely. I was way more excited about beta cool. 2 of watchOS than iOS. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> because what the beta was so crap, beta 1. Yeah. I mean, doing something like, if I had my AirPods paired to my watch and I took one AirPod out, my watch would crash. And <laughs> oh, really? Like yeah. Huh. So. And I still have random... Free springs, if that's what you call it on the watch. I'm not sure if it's actually called a springboard, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure it's still random re- springboard on the watch. Mm, okay. uh, I haven't had any respring issues, or at least not that I've noticed. Uh, I mean, it probably resets all the time on my wrist when I'm not looking at it, but um, <laughs> it takes like 10 minutes to restart. How could you not notice? I don't know. Maybe I just don't glance at my watch enough. No, so I also uh, really don't use my watch for anything. <laughs> like notifications is is basically it. Uh, mm-hmm. Our uh, fitness challenge we've been doing has had me looking at my watch more often than i have you know since i got my very uh-huh. first apple watch so <laughs> which uh good job by the way you, d- you definitely earned that win last week 
thanks, but I, I'm not going to count it as a real win because it sounded like you're um, like you weren't really getting progress updates from me. So it would take about a day. Maybe there are a few like days it, behind. It, like for the entire day, it would say you were at zero, and I would see mine go up, and then like the next day, I would see you know, what your bars actually were. Um, but I don't know. I'd, st- I'd still count that as a win. M- maybe I would have been slightly more motivated to go for, like, more walks or something if I had seen I still wasn't quite ahead of you. But, uh-huh, I mean, yeah. you just walking alone, you get so much more walking in than me in a day, so... Oh, do I? Yeah. Oh, just oh yeah. Dog. Well, let's, let's see. Like, you, you really consistently average, like, 10,000-ish steps, about five miles of walking a day. And I'm... Really? Wow. Yeah. I'm way lower than the pole. Like, I average one to two miles a day when I'm walking. Uh, so I don't know. I remember working in, uh, I used to work for Walmart for a long time, uh, like in high school and college and working in a, a big box retail like that. I got easily six miles minimum a shift in, uh, oh, yeah. and then since, since, you know, transitioning into like mostly sitting at desk kind of jobs, uh, that amount of walking got got a day has gone way down. So especially since now that I've gone to just biking to and from work, and then I get to work and I sit down at my desk, and then I get home and I sit down at my desk. I don't know. I don't have much opportunity for walking in there. <laughs> I've noticed you've got, yeah, you're doing the indoor, uh, the outdoor cycles quite frequently, but I'm still waiting for that indoor cycle workout to show up. Uh, I've there's with your new desk. There's there's definitely been a few po- popping up in there. Um, oh yeah, okay. I must have just missed them all. It, it actually, I'm probably asleep at the time that that sort of notification would come through. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely you'd be asleep when these are coming through. But, yeah, they, they probably do get lost in the... There's, like, three outdoor cycles and an indoor and then three more outdoor and an indoor, so I can see, <laughs> can see where those easily get lost. Yeah. I, I think watch are, the watch is just filtering out some because they're only... Probably get two from you a day, I think. Oh, really? Maybe it's like, nah, that's two <laughs> activity notifications is the limit for the day. That's probably fair. So, I, I probably... One, two, three... Like six, seven, six or seven workouts, cycling workouts a day that I'm tracking now. So, okay. But so today's is day one of our next challenge. So actually, it's the weekend. Day two now, right? Cycling today. Yeah. Day two. Oh, you're right. It's on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which you still uh, handily beat me. So. (laughs) Yep. But uh, yeah. This when this week comes starts up, we'll we'll see who's uh who's gonna win this one. If you had something uh relevant you should definitely add it now because i have kind of a little bit of a tangent i wanted to go on so okay <laughs> i was just going to say that uh well actually it's not related to activity i was going to talk about podcasts okay should i go first yeah definitely uh, i was just going to say um podcast is working really well on this beta which it wasn't on the previous one the app would crash a lot and oftentimes the the shows kind of weren't cached on the watch mm-hmm. but now they do seem to be so i haven't seen the app crash yet I think, um, and it does seem to quite successfully cache all your unplayed episodes on the watch because I often don't have mobile data when I go out with my watch at the moment, um, and I can still play the episodes. Um, the syncing between the phone and the watch, like the playback position, right. also not too bad. It's, it's probably better than I expected, even. Huh. Um, and yeah, just it's just good. I feel liberated from my phone. Now I have podcasts <laughs> on the go. <laughs> There's no more reason to take my phone out of the house. Maybe maybe I need to get into that more. Uh, I don't I don't go anywhere without my phone, so I haven't had much of a reason to try to use this dedicated podcast app yet. Um, but I guess I don't really have any reason to carry my phone everywhere now that I can get phone calls and text messages on my watch and I can carry around my music and my podcasts. And yeah, I guess there really isn't any yeah, reason. Exactly. I need to, I need to actually yep. like 
do a challenge like you did and I just put my phone in a cabinet for a week and live on the watch. And now um, screen time is there. You can actually see how successful you are at doing that as well. Um, just this last week, I've destroyed it. My average of, I think, did I say last week I had an average of um, picking up my phone every eight minutes for <laughs> for the entire seven days that I first had iOS 12? Well, I've got that down, so it's more respectable now. All right, I'm going to try to look at screen time now. Oh, I haven't opened it since the new beta and it's giving me a splash screen. Hopefully that doesn't mean that it hasn't been recording. Yeah, actually mine reset when I had the new splash screen. Let's see. Just says screen time will be reported here. It might eventually populate, but I'm sure it'd be pretty embarrassing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know next time. Okay, definitely. So what was your tangent? Okay, so this is, yeah, pretty unrelated, but you're like the person I know I can tell who would hopefully share some of my excitement about this. Um, so we can call this kind of story time. Um, All right. My glasses broke a few days ago, um, just from playing with kids and the arm gets bent and eventually snapped off um so i needed to get new glasses and i decided i wanted steve jobs glasses <laughs> and so i, lo- I looked yeah, I, okay. I looked up his glasses and they're made by uh, this luxury designer in germany uh called lunar and they had one retailer who's a couple hundred miles away from me um but i called up the retailer and said you know this is the specific type of frames i want and lunar has one pair of those frames in the entire country <laughs> and and this this retailer <laughs> ordered them in for me so i get i get actually steve jobs glasses next week oh that is insane yeah i just googled a picture of them uh, just to remind myself so yeah they um they're actually looking pretty in fashion like everyone's wearing these round glasses at the moment so i think you're gonna look pretty good well thanks um i've actually what i think it's like 2010 i i got really similar glasses to steve jobs with with the mm. round rimless design they weren't they weren't exactly his. They weren't the same brand. Um, but I've been mostly just wearing those for the last what is it now? Seven years. Uh, so I'm like I'm already really comfortable in this in the round frame design, and I'm ex- okay. That's, that's kind cool. of my look. So I'm excited to have the actual glasses, though. What are the odds that there's just just the one pair? I have no idea. Maybe that's the the frame retailer trying trying to get me more excited to buy them i don't know oh uh, yeah it could be because you definitely got this common tactic huh? yeah these things are like i don't know i think of like renting a house like oh we actually have someone else who wants to sign the lease right now too and like well then just give it to me or whatever but <laughs> or booking.com yeah five people have booked this room <laughs> in the last two seconds yeah so i don't know but wh- whether or not it's true that there's one one pair of those frames in the country i'm still excited to to try them out i'll have to send you a picture when i get them but yeah for sure you could have always hit me up as a, a german supplier since i'm in germany <laughs> maybe i don't know if it maybe it even been cheaper to to actually buy them from the company directly in germany and, and <laughs> ship them in <laughs> oh man i just looked up there's actually a supplier in the town i am as well. oh really I, yeah who knows if they've got the right pair though you know it's probably just a um yeah a supplier not the actual company yeah it's kind of a, uh, I don't know, it doesn't seem like many people carry this frame anymore, so... Do you know since when did he wear that specific um, model of glasses? Um, I want to say early 90s. It could have been even earlier than that, though. I'm trying to Google it now. That's pretty cool that they still make them. Like, yeah. Oftentimes you'll probably find that you couldn't buy them new anymore, or, you know... Right. That model was stopped five years after they started making it. I mean, I know... I know. Do they, do they know that they're Steve Jobs glasses? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, I was going to say, I know when uh, Steve Jobs died in 2011, uh, some of the big 
retailers that carried that brand, like specifically marketed them as Steve Jobs glasses and got a bunch more in stock and were apparently selling out of them too. Everyone wanted a pair. Hmm, okay. um, so I think, I don't know, maybe for that reason alone, they're being kept around. Apparently they were kind of custom made for him. Like the frames existed, but they weren't made with round lenses and he specifically requested them. So um, what's the ETA? Do you know of the arrival uh, next week? Pretty quickly, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. I'm a yeah. Definitely send a picture through when they arrive. All right. I'm putting a picture in the in the Discord channel here. Um, this is when I got my first pair of glasses, like in high school. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. It's the cover of the book and everything. Uh-huh. That's the one by um, Walter Isaacson, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's great. But uh, I'm pretty excited. Thought I'd share it. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks. We'll wait until next show. <laughs> until All right. We can talk about it some more. <laughs> All right. Cool. Um, should we call that a wrap? Uh, yeah. Definitely. All right. Well, I guess I'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Yeah. For sure. Catch you later. Bye.